0: Welcome to Near-Death Experience Podcast, the official source of audio accounts for the Near-Death Experience Research Foundation. I'm Chas Hathaway, author of Life in the Spirit World, What Near-Death Experiences May Teach About Life on the Other Side, and the uh, composer of the music album, Home, both of which can be found on our website, neardeathexperiencepodcast.org. Now, I know we usually dive into the unexperience immediately and I don't want to change that uh, tradition, but I just thought I'd take a minute for any new listeners. Uh I think people are coming across the podcast more and more often and um they may jump into it, not sure what is meant by near-death experiences, and maybe a little bit shocked when they <laughs> realize that you know what what we're talking about. Um, I just want to give a little, quick little introduction. Um, when we talk about near-death experiences in this podcast, we're not referring to experiences where someone almost died, and then and then recovered and you know lived to tell the tale. Though they all seem to include that, almost all anyway seem to include something similar to that where you know, because I've heard a lot of, uh, podcasts, uh, video, seen a lot of videos where it's talking about, you know, kind of, they got a second chance at life and it was, uh, you know, it kind of changed their life because of that. And these do also do that. But when I'm talking about near death experiences here, I'm specifically talking about people who either come near death or something similar. And, uh, they have some kind of supernatural, some kind of, of spiritual, uh, transformative experience. Uh, you know, it's the it's the quintessential idea of seeing a light at the end of a tunnel, and or seeing an angel by the bed, and so forth, like that. That's the kind of things we're talking about, and we're not doing it in an effort to to um, we, you know, we do talk a little bit about religion and about faith and so forth, but we're not promoting um, a particular faith, and not promoting um, religious practice um, in general. We are sharing experiences that people have had, most of which were totally, totally unexpected to the individuals. And they're coming back, and they're sharing it, and they're talking about experiences they've had with light, with angels, with God, even. And if that is not what you're looking for in a podcast, um, well, this probably isn't the podcast for you. But if it is, and if you're curious about what happens after we die, I'm not trying to do this from a biblical standpoint or religious standpoint though to be open and honest i very much believe in the bible i am a strong christian but i'm not out to push the christian viewpoint or to quote scripture a whole bunch i am out to share what people have had direct experiences with the other side now many people will hear these kinds of experiences and say Well, they're just making that up for, you know, attention or to get money or something like that. When, if you read their experiences completely or if you speak with them, that is neither the intent nor the result for the most part. Most of them, they try to share their experiences with friends and family first because they're there at the hospital or they're in recovery and they try to share these experiences and they are shut down. They're told they are going to put you in the psych ward if you keep talking about this. You need to be quiet about this experience. And so they often silence themselves for decades. And and so they don't get a chance to share it. And what we're trying to do, among the other things that we're trying to do, is give them an opportunity to share those experiences with people who are more likely to be willing to listen and seek to understand and also be able to share their experiences in some level of anonymity so they don't have to worry about losing their jobs because they're sharing these experiences or or worry about uh, um, their family thinking they're crazy and disowning them, which happens remarkably often. It's really terrifying how often people are treated badly for something that they experienced, especially when, and it happens most especially, when the experience is not in line with a religious or philosophical upbringing or atheist upbringing, you know, any of the above. Um, And most of the people who experience these experiences find that what they learn from their experience is not completely consistent with what they grew up believing and so it's often a shock to the individuals and sometimes they're quiet about it for a long time just because of that okay i'm going to take a moment to interrupt myself to apologize for the sound quality for that first five and a half almost six minutes of the show i had my microphone plugged in and it I didn't realize it was still waiting for me to say connect <laughs> on, the, on it, so it was using my computer's built-in microphone up to this point. I apologize for that. If you're if you're sensitive to you know the <laughs> low quality, that is what happened. I I tend to edit these as I go rather than after the fact. Gratefully, I caught that before I got too far into the show. Anyway. <laughs> So I just wanted to say some of that um, because for those who are just, this is their first time coming across the podcast, I, I just wanted to give that little preamble um, so you can know where we're coming from. And I will say that, that many people who do have near-death experiences do go on to write books about it, often because they feel inspired to do so during their experience on the other side. And... And, you know, to to deny that would be unwise, I think. If you feel inspired to share your experience with the world, I think you should do it. But for those who have reasons to hold back, there are ways, such as Enderf, the Near-Death Experience Research Foundation, as well as IONS, that provides means to be able to share anonymously, your experience, um, and be able to touch others' lives with it without it having to come back to haunt your own life, so to speak. And I do recognize that there are near-death experiences out there that probably are put out there, um, made up, so to speak, in order to make some money or to, you know, do something. I, I specifically heard of one not too long ago. I had not read the book and I still have not yet because once I found out that it was a fake, I didn't see any point in doing so. I probably should just to give myself that, you know, rounded experience of, of uh, you know, seeing the, a false experience to be sure. Um, I do recognize that some can be fake But I think you'll find, as you read these experiences, as you listen to these experiences, that these people are sincere. They are genuinely trying to share something that happened to them. And you can consider for yourself what is actually going on, whether this is some kind of dream, whether this is whatever. Um, The evidence points to it being absolutely real, in my mind, and in the mind of probably most of the listeners to this podcast but it's okay if you listen and you're skeptical of their experience that's fine that's fine the point of this podcast is to share the experiences so that we can take all these experiences that people are having and as data points to learn what we might learn from them and some people are going to believe some things some people are going to believe other things and everybody's going to have their doubts about some things and, and others might disagree with what others say about it. And that's totally fine. We just try to be civil about it. (laughs) And and the point is again, to share so that the, uh, so that those of us who want to learn from it can do so. Anyway, so there's my little uh, um, introduction for new listeners. So, with that, let's continue on. We're going to share today the experience of Eric from enderf.org, which is the Near-Death Experience Research Foundation, N-D-E-R-F dot It's where you can find these experiences. They are written out in full, and what I'm doing is reading from these experiences. So, Eric says... My two friends and I had been camping for about five or six days. The weather was very bad with the rain, wind, and drizzle. We call that Brittany weather. On that day of the experience, the sun was shining and the wind had calmed down. So we decided to have the boat, or to take the boat out. I already was familiar with boating using uh, 420, 407, small catamaran, laser, caravel, and small sailing dinghies. I had sailed on the Mediterranean Sea, but not with my friends, and never in Brittany. The boat belonged to one of my friends who had been sailing several times in Brittany, especially during his studies at Lanyon. We left from Tregestel, Tregestel with the trailer and the boat. We were such in such a hurry and impatient to get on the out in the boat that we didn't take time to consult the weather forecast. A warning of a gust of wind had been announced, but we didn't know anything about this. My friend and I did some trials in the bay to see how we were fitting together. We were then sailing quietly but proceeding through a few maneuvers such as different speeds, close crossings, cast-off, jibing, and other maneuvers. As we had fun, we decided to leave the bay and go to tack off the coast. Everything went well until the sea started to unsettle. Suddenly the sky darkened and waves mounted with incredible speed. The sea became very choppy. Quickly we were taken between waves of several meters height. Our 420 boat literally surfed the waves My friend was at the helm. We couldn't hold the boat steady anymore. On the top of a wave, we were hit by an enormous second wave from the side. It dragged the boat along like a cork. My friend, who was inside at the helm, could stay on the boat, but since I was sitting outside, I was ejected from the boat. Very fast, we found ourselves hundreds of meters away from each other. He was on the hull of the boat that had capsized. I, like a cork, was being buffeted by the waves. My friend was wearing a jet suit, while I was only wearing jeans, baskets, and a pullover. I had been able to grab a life jacket shortly before being ejected, but had not been wearing it. It was impossible for me to swim to my friend. I tried to keep my head out of the water, but the waves were ceaselessly crashing down on me. I couldn't see anything else but the sea. I didn't know which way was north or south or to the coast. Sometimes, when we both happened to be on the top of the waves that separated us, I could see the boat, and my friend, he was unable to right the boat. I remained in freezing water around 10 to 12 degrees Celsius for more than an hour, I remember seeing pieces of the boat that went floating past me like pieces of the keel, rudder blade, and bailer. I tried to hold on to the pieces, but they hindered me staying afloat, so I ended up letting them go. I remembered having swallowed cups and cups of very salty water, and then blackness. My past was scrolling backwards, going from the present and back in time towards childhood. I saw the good and bad moments. They were very precise facts, a kind of sorting of the good and the bad, of good people and bad people, good and bad memories. I saw parents, friends, teachers, and memories of childhood. I had a feeling of plenitude where I didn't sense anything anymore. I was neither cold nor nor warm. I felt peaceful and quiet. Then I saw a long black tunnel with a luminous point at the very end. The light was growing bit by bit while I advanced in this tunnel. The light turned into an intense light, radiating but not blinding. I felt good. Nothing happened. The light is beautiful, good, and soft. I was saved by crab fishermen who came along to secure us. I think that I became, or that I came back to consciousness when they reached me. I was unable to mount aboard their boat and to lift myself on the end piece they had been throwing to me. They passed a slipknot around my body and pulled me aboard. Then I experienced a lot of fear. There were three sailors on the boat and yelled orders between themselves. Even on their fishing boat and with large motors, the swells were enormous. They were afraid of capsizing, too. The waves were passing over the boat and its perilous maneuvers. The goal was to save my friend. One of them said that it was too dangerous and that they should head towards the port to get back to Tregestel. The other two wanted to get, my friend, no matter what. In the meantime, the National Navy had been alerted, and a helicopter was heading towards us, as well as a frigate of National Navy. The fishermen were able to make it to the capsized 410, with my exhausted friend clinging as hard as possible to the hull of the boat. They were sending him a rope with a buoy and told him to mount aboard. He refused as he didn't want to abandon his boat. I remember about hearing the sailors tell him, "'The boat we don't care about! First men before material!' You now let go of this, and you come up immediately. This is an order. My friend complied, and the boat continued its perilous course towards the port. Even the boat of the fishermen was surfing such was the height of the strength of the waves. Then, while approaching port, a boat called the Zodiac stopped us. The boys came aboard, and the fishermen informed them About the situation, we disembarked on the Zodiac and made it to the coast where I was taken care of by emergency services. The Zodiac went away with my friend on board, heading towards the frigate of the National Navy in order to file a report. We had been out of the zone of navigation for dinghies. The abandoned boat was a capture of the sea for the government. I was blue and in a state of hypothermia. They took care of me, and I was defrosted with survival blankets. The father of my girlfriend was on vacation with her family in Treburden. I was finally able to reach him to come pick me up. Since that time, he nicknamed me the captain. We had given all our money to the fishermen to thank them. I, I was only a few hundred francs as we were students, and with little money... Yet, I never could thank them enough. I don't know if they are still alive since I was 21 at the time, but if they are reading this, they will remember, I'm sure. Except for what I felt. I never talked to anybody about the experience until the beginning of 2016. It was during a casual discussion with my friend that he questioned me and then told me, You experienced a near-death experience. I replied, So I'm not crazy? This isn't an isolated case? The rare people to whom I told my experience since then are all doubting and even in denial. They tell me that this is normal since I was in shock. They tell me that I don't remember well anymore. For me, this is different. I have a feeling of extra-natural and extra terrestrial as the landscape does not exist except in science fiction movies. What comes closest to what I experienced would be the northern lights. I will have to go see them, but the color was so white, so it's not the northern lights I saw. There was no wind. There was nothing. That is the end of Eric's account. Now, to those uh, listening for the first time, this will probably sound, like I said, possibly a little crazy, or perhaps you think, oh, it was the uh, oxygen deprivation to the brain. And if you're thinking that, or if you feel that way, I encourage you to continue listening to other episodes of the podcast. Because what... uh, other listeners can attest to you, is that this is a very common start to many near-death experiences. It's very common to experience some kind of tunnel. Some people will see a light tunnel, some, like him, a dark tunnel. um, And he experienced a light that became an overwhelming light and feelings of love and bliss and so forth. And that seems to be about all he experienced. But you'll find from listening to many of these experiences that this is not only common, but this is almost expected at a moment of death like this. Now, not everyone who comes to a point of nearly dying or completely dying on the hospital bed and then being brought back will have such an experience. It's In fact, it's less common than otherwise. It's probably about 1 in 10 people give or take that uh, have such an experience but I have family members who have had both one was gone for an, an almost an hour before he was brought back and had no experience that he can remember just woke up feeling tired and achy um, having died from carbon monoxide poisoning and the other was my grandma who who was in... Uh, I'm trying to remember what her sickness was, but uh, she was in the hospital. She falls asleep while being worked on and uh, has this remarkable experience with light and angels and so forth. And, uh, and then is shocked back to life using paddles and whatever. And, um, and so the point is that not everybody's going to have these experiences, but there are enough people having these experiences that we have to take into account that there is something going on here. And the consensus, as one who has read thousands of these experiences, for me seems to be, there is absolutely life beyond this life. We continue beyond This mortal experience, beyond this consciousness that we, as we experience it now, and to offer some comfort to those who feel worried about being enveloped in a universal nothingness, so to speak, or a blackness where you lose yourself, that is not the case. Doesn't seem to be the case at all. When people die and go to the other side, they are still the same chain of thoughts. They are still thinking and they are still feeling as they do here, but more expansively and with much more peace and tranquility on the other side than what we experience here. Fear, for example, seems to be mostly a mortal, um, physical life thing. Pain very much seems to be something that is unique to this life. So if this is your first time listening to the podcast, I encourage you to listen to more. And if you are a little bit taken aback by what you're hearing, go back, and I know it's a lot of scrolling, and I'm sorry about that, but go back to our very first episode, start with that, and then work through the, those first 12 episodes, because there's a bit of a lead in to everything some of the uh, the uh, accounts that that you'll find in later episodes may be a little bit broadside you'll be like what this is what you know but if you listen to those first 12 episodes you'll get a lead into why things are happening as they are in people's experiences and fortunately for us being in the mortal life right now and for most of us, not having had these near-death experiences, we can take these things by course and start at level one and work our way up. And that's what those first 12 episodes of the show are intended for. Um, But this experience gives you a nice little taste of kind of thing that we're talking about. And experiences will go into much, much more detail about the other side than this one does. But I thought this was a beautiful, kind of an introductory type of experience of what you can expect to hear here. So again, if you're new, go back to however many pages back on the website near-death-experience-podcast.org that's where you'll find it, neardeathexperiencepodcast.org, all one word, um, and find those first 12 episodes and listen to them, one, two, three, up to 12. And by the end of those 12, I think you'll be ready to jump to wherever we're at, or if you want to, you know, continue on from there, that's fine, however you want to do it. Um, you'll hear a lot of my journey. I've been doing this for what, two, three years now, maybe four, I can't remember. I, I think it's been about three years. And uh, it, it's, it's been a journey for me. As I've mentioned, I am a devout Christian, a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, very faithful and active to my religion. But this uh, experience of studying near-death experiences has given me whole new perspectives that I never would have come across without studying these things. So um, don't feel like you have to feel threatened either by the existence of religion (laughs) in the podcast or feel like you have to be threatened with the religion you have with other ideas. Honestly, the more we learn, the more we have to work with. And it's totally okay if you're listening to these things and say, I don't believe that. But yeah, I'll listen to more just so I can understand what people are talking about when they talk about near-death experiences or you know what people are referring to and, and why they're saying what they're saying. This will give you some context for that. So again, my name is Chaz Hathaway. If you would like to reach out to me, you can contact me by emailing Chaz, that's C-H-A-S at N-D-E podcast dot org Chaz at N-D-E dot org you can also reach John who is another host of this podcast especially for some of the interviews and so forth he's also the administrator of the website um, his name is John and you can reach him John at N-D-E podcast.org. And to all of you, thank you so much for listening.